Salutation. Salutations. I'm Sophia's friend Bronwyn. And I am Bronwyn's friend Sophia. And this is Quotes and and Anecdotes. We have to get ourselves energized today because both of us are procrastinating quite a bit. Because we're just a little, a little tired. A little I'd love to side. just lie on the bed and laugh with you, but it is Tuesday, so we have to get this done. Yes, yes, I agree. <clears throat> but we are going to... I mean, I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you're happy and at peace. peace. Yeah. Um, Sophia, you had an idea. I did not have an idea. You had an idea. Yeah, I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So lately, we've been running out of time for anecdotes, and I know that personally, that's my favorite section of the podcast. And I know that a couple of our listeners have told me that it's their favorite section as well. So we want and the last couple of episodes, we've had to cut down on the amount of anecdotes that we're telling, but we don't want to do that anymore. So we're gonna try no. to get right into it with wordlets, words, and quotes. And maybe cut down on, on quotes, but we'll see where we're, where we're at once we get there. Right? I think so. Yeah. But, yeah, so we're going to just jump right in. Yeah. Sophia, what's your first word look? No, what's my first word look? My first <laughs> <laughs> Off to a good start. It is my turn to go first this week. <clears throat> okay, so my first word look is instantiation, which is a word from computer science. Heck it's, yeah. it's a coding word. I'm actually, you know, if I'm going to be totally honest, I'm still a bit confused as to what it means, but I know I got the question right on the test. So, basically the way we use it, it's like when you create like an, a new, it's called an object, and an object can do things, but before an object can do things, it must be created, and you instantiate it. You bring it into existence. Whoa. It's not that exciting. <laughs> But the official definition is the product of an instance, example, or specific application of a general classification, principle, theory, etc. So that means, so an instantiation is something resulting from the act of instantiating, or an instance. It's just like an instance, I guess. It's, that's a confusing definition. But in programming, an instance is a concrete occurrence of an o- any object existing usually during the runtime of a computer program. So it's just like making something. That's cool. Bringing something into existence. Yeah. I like that. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm confused as to what it is, but what's your first wordlet? My first wordlet is something called an elision. Um, and it's also something that I have just recently learned in a class that I'm taking. We were, we were scanning poems in Latin. And actually, this has to do with the topic. I could have done this as my actual word, but I thought it would be a cooler wordlet. So it's basically the um, the omission of a sound or syllable when speaking. So as an I'm, as an I am, you omit the A and just make it I'm. Um, and then let's, like let us, you omit the U and just make it let's. Um, and it can also, so that's the, the way that we were using it in Latin. There's all these words when you, not all these words, all these rules when you scan Latin poems and elision is one of them. Is It's when like um, a vowel ends a word, and then the next word also starts with a vowel. You don't count the vowel that ends the word. Yeah. So it's interesting because actually in French, um, it's pretty similar because French, like uh, you don't a lot of the letters you don't pronounce. Yeah. So in order for it to flow, instead you like kind of join a lot of words together. So like, mm-hmm. um, if you say like they like, you would say ils aiment, 
and even though the pronoun ILS, you wouldn't normally pronounce the S, you just say il. Um, when it's followed by a vowel, you would say ilze. Oh, that's cool. You connect them. So then it's not like il and it doesn't work. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it can also mean the omission of a passage in a hmm. book, speech, or film. Or the process of joining together or merging things, especially abstract ideas. Mm. So it's a really cool word, and also I thought it was a fun, like, word to say. Illusion. That Illusion. tends to be where most of my word lists come from. It's like, ooh, fun to say. that's either yeah. a cool one that I've never heard of, or fun to say. I agree. The, the idea of an elision, which is sort of a, a linguistic rule, kind of leads into our topic this week, which True. I can't believe we haven't done yet, um, because it is languages. Yeah. Would you like to say... The word languages in the two different languages that you know. <laughs> that, see, that caught me off guard. Because I don't know how to say it in Greek. So Yes, you do. Okay, I, first off, don't know two languages. I know English. And I take the two languages that you're learning. And I take French. Now I can say it in French. I can't say it in ancient Greek because someone here decided to use Google Translate, which unfortunately doesn't have an ancient Greek. <laughs> Do you setting. want me to grab my no? It's okay. Bud, and look up how to say languages. I'm teasing Sophia, guys. But Listen, please, bud. I'm not usually this mean. Glossa. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you're just gonna have to take Google's word for it. Okay. Well, so in modern Greek languages, which is our topic this week, is glossa. Yep, that's it. Um, and French, if you're gonna say like languages, you'd be like les langues, yeah. les langues de la monde, <laughs> the languages of the world. Les langues. And what about in the five languages you know? Okay, again, don't know five languages. Sorry, she only used fluent in two. No, I am okay. Proficient. I, this is sort of an anecdote, but I am fluent in English. It's the only one I'm fluent in. Best, next, second best is Spanish. She's quite proficient in that. Thank you. And I'm also learning Chinese and ancient Greek, but you already read Greek. So, and Latin. Uh, and Latin. Oh, yeah. And Latin. Um, I forgot about Latin somehow. So, <laughs> language in Spanish is lenguas, las lenguas. Um, and in Latin, it's lingua. L-I-N-G-U-A. And then in Chinese, it's yu yun. Y-U, y space, Y-U-A-N. Yu yun, yun, I think. Ooh, that's very yeah. cool. It's cool. So yeah, that's our topic this week. This is something I think Sophia is very, very, very passionate about. And, yes. you know, I dabble in. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I'm definitely, I think, probably the more enthusiastic out of the two of us, just like you were about science. Yeah, um, that's what I was But you have always been so excited about languages from, yeah. from what I have yeah. heard. I, I, I think so. I, you're, I think you're also very passionate about it. So we're just passionate people. So what's your word? Okay, so guys, I'm really original. I thought it would be hilarious if I chose the word etymology, because then I could do the etymology of etymology. <laughs> he was about to ask you about that. What's the etymology of etymology? So the word etymology is the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history. That is very cool. Yeah, honestly, it is kind of cool because, especially learning dead languages, Latin and Greek, 
um, you do get to trace it, and you do get to say, hey, look at that. We have, like, the same word for tree, except we don't. But <laughs> if you... Well, to... arboris in Latin is, is the same as arbor. Not See, the exactly. Same. Look at this etymology. In Greek, it's dendron, so no. But, <laughs> but think... like, okay, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, um, potoma, uh, like, it's like potomai or something is, um, no, potomus, potomos, potomos is river and i can't remember it exactly but it's like hippos is horse so hippopotamus is a river horse like literally just from the greek you just take it straight from the greek so look at that etymology it's really fun when you figure it out and honestly doing this podcast while learning greek has been really interesting because there have been times where i'll be like hey i don't even need to look at this paradigm because i know this etymology um and it's yeah it's fun it's interesting i was just talking to a teacher today and we were talking about languages and the history of languages and I was like I hope that eventually somewhere down the road there's a class in language history and like how words and languages came to be and like what languages they stemmed from how cool would that be yeah and etymology is obviously a huge do you know what I want to learn and I don't know if like how much of it is known but there is a language called proto-indo-european and oh. that was like one of the first languages where Latin and Greek stemmed from, and so did Sanskrit, which is an ancient um, language in I think India, and like like pretty far away from Italy and Greece, but like yeah. like a ton of languages come from Proto Indo European. That's very cool. Pretty cool. But yeah, no, I think I agree with you, Sophia. And actually, it's funny on the way here, my mom was talking. We were talking about. Um, the Greek teacher about books and my mom's like oh you know you should ask him if he wants 20 volumes of like an encyclopedia and I was like listen like don't get rid of those because like I know it's a lot and they're like a lot of books but like having books about even though those aren't about words per se because they're um not dictionaries it's still like having volumes of books of information like that's gonna go away pretty soon and like that's pretty cool like to have so I keep it and I persuaded her but like that's yeah. awesome I don't know this has nothing to do with etymology but <laughs> etymology the etymology of it okay it comes What's the etymology of etymology bro? you know they didn't have a paradigm for this they didn't have an etymology paradigm for the word etymology how dare they I know okay so it comes from originally Greek um f- initially from etymon uh meaning true and then etymologos, which is a student of etymology, um, etymologia, and then, like, Latin somewhere there. I'm not really sure. They didn't have a paradigm, and it's a little bit confusing to read backwards. But then to Old French, etymology, and then to Late Middle English, where I think it just became etymology. But, That's really cool. Yeah, I think I think etymology has been around for a while, given that they had a word for student of etymology in Greek. Yeah. But, Gosh, I would love to study etymology. I would love to be an etymologos. Aww. Okay, <laughs> what's your first word? What's your My word? My word is hyperpolyglot, which is someone who is both a gifted and massive language accumulator and possesses a particular neurology that's well-suited for learning languages very quickly and being able to use them. Um, and in order to be a hyperpolyglot, you have to speak 11 or more languages. I'm gonna get there someday, hopefully. 
Um, but I found this word when I, um, my, my whole family now knows that I have this passion for languages. So one of my distant relatives who lives in California sent me an article, this really long article about um, learning languages and specifically this one man who is proficient in 22 languages. And like so, he's gonna beat that record. No, yeah, this person. I think it was a journalist who came with him to. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the country. This is bad. I'm a bad international student. A country where they speak Maltese. Malta. Um, Malta. Yeah. Malta. Okay, I'm I'm so sorry. I should know that. Um, so that he went to Malta to try to learn Maltese, and um, sh- this journalist came with him and just watched his methods, which was basically just talking talking to the locals writing down notes listening to everyone's conversations and like fully immersing yourself like, yeah exactly um and most of the people there apparently thought it was very sweet that he was trying to learn the language but they were like what's the point because everyone there speaks english as well so it was just it was very interesting um and then apparently on the way home they got in the taxi and he was talking to the taxi driver in maltese and the taxi driver thought that he had been living in Malta for at least a year. And how long has they been? It was like three days. It's it was, cr- I feel like you would incredible. get. It's like a skill that you would practice, and you could yeah exactly like be able to after twenty two. I would assume you've you've and developed like not only like know the like idiosyncrasies and patterns of language in general, like that you can apply to learning a new language, but just like techniques and just that's insane yeah it's it was really inspiring and I was like whoa I didn't know that people like that exist um but yeah hyperpolyglot it's a cool word so I couldn't find I mean obviously hyper is like an increased level of I don't know but polyglot uh comes from Greek ironically and um it comes from palu which is many and then glotta which hey, is palu, tongue I know that one. and then <laughs> polyglottus Polyglottos. Polyglotte, French. Polyglot. Okay. There you go. And then polyglot in the mid-17th century. Amazing. But it's a really cool word, and I had never heard of it before. Um, I saw, Actually, there was a TED Talk that I saw that was like, oh yeah, us polyglots, and they were talking about their method of learning languages, and then I saw it again in this article. So it's it's apparently a well-known word, a well-known word around language users, language cool. learners. That's really cool. It's very, like, when you hear those stories, you're like, I want to do that. I know, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, do you want to start with your first quote? Yeah. Okay. So my first quote is, Learning a foreign language and the culture that goes with it is one of the most useful things we can do to broaden the empathy and imaginative sympathy and cultural outlook of children. That's by My- Michael Gove. Um, and I thought it was a pretty interesting quote because... I think that um, part of learning a language is, like, learning the culture of that language and learning the history of it. And I think that that is really good for broadening your mind. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but um, in, I find it, it's really, we're really lucky to have our first language be English because that gives us a lot of opportunities. But something that comes with that is in countries where the first language is English, there's not as much of a 
necessity to learn another language. So you don't get to start, you're not allowed to, like, at school. They don't provide language um, classes at our school until grade four, which is pretty old. Like, there's an age, I think it's, like, three to seven, where you can learn a language extremely quickly, and you have that ability. But when by the time you're, like, nine or ten, it's it, you have to, it's a lot of hard work. But in it's definitely still worth it. And I really wish that in countries such as the US where they where the, the first language is English, language was given more attention because I think it's really good for making people again, like more open minded, more empathetic and more like open to the world and less kind of narrow in their day to day lives. And I think other countries where like it's just common that at the very least you learn English if not more if not other languages that are important for the area or just because you want to learn other languages I think there's a level of like um understanding and compassion for the entire world not just your own life or just your own country um and I think it's I think it's something that is really useful it's useful yeah and it's also just I think good for making people I think it's a good point that it makes people more and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that too because just today in Spanish class my Spanish teacher was talking about um the different like the difference between Hispanic and Latin and like all this like geographical stuff about where Spanish-speaking countries are located and why that is and she was telling us that um some some statistic like there is a huge number of people in the United States that speak Spanish. And she was like, it's the biggest minority in the United States, not even African-American. It's Hispanic and, and Latin. Um, and she was like, that's why you should be learning Spanish. Not because colleges want to see a language, not for travel, although that's a huge part of it, but because you will be able to make so many more connections with people in your own country if you speak yeah. their first language, which is very, which is very cool. Um, and I think it's definitely something that should probably be more prioritized in American education because I think having English as our first language, since it's probably the most widely spoken language, it kind of puts us at like, oh, we're above because we already I was about to say, like, that's like a thing that it makes me really sad, but like you hear stories of people hearing other languages being spoken and being like oh you're you're in america speak english like that kind of thing and that i'm just like what the heck like that just why do you think you're better than others because just you you speak again like you speak one language and that person probably speaks their language and it's very likely that they also speak english so already they're speaking more languages than you and like i just i find that very frustrating but you know i think that that's part of why you need to understand the importance of just um, learning another language for like for softer reasons, not just like you said, like the harder to get a job, to get for practical, like getting into university and that kind of thing, but for actual connecting with people and understanding that it's just words, but it does make a big difference if you can, like communication is really important and being able to communicate with people from all over the world like that really opens doors for yeah this could be really really good exactly yeah what's your first quote well that is actually a really good transition into into my first quote which is um a chinese proverb um but it is to learn a language is to have one more window for which from which to look at the world um and 
as you were saying, it's just, like, learning another... I've found a lot of quotes about how, like, learning another language, like, opens up a new door. And once you... I feel like once you learn a language, part of what comes with it is the culture. And that... And once you learn this language, like, you get to know almost a whole another group of people that you wouldn't have learned about maybe if you hadn't taken this language and now that you know what language they speak you can connect with them on this whole new level and I think that's just incredible and um even like when you speak to someone in their native language it since it's easier for them to articulate their thoughts in that language I feel like you can connect with them more and it just shows that you care exactly you're just making an effort yeah which I think and I I always admire people who um even even if they're like languages like when you travel to a foreign country and you try to speak the language even if you're horrible at it the people usually really appreciate the fact that you're trying and that you're not just like screaming at them in English like many American tourists do um, yeah, but but yeah. So I just thought it was nice because there's once you speak that language, there's a whole new like world that you're opened up to because you can see it through yeah. the eyes of the people who spoke that language from birth, which is really yeah. Cool. And also, like I think it opens a door into history. Yeah, because like absolutely. I don't know. We've talked about this before, but like part of the reason it's so exciting to learn a language is like it's kind of. I don't know how to. I don't like the idea that I am just would just be unable to read a book from like I don't know like early early like hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago where um, it if it's not in English and either having to depend on another person's translation or like just not being able to know what that person said is like sad like I want to know what they said mm-hmm. and so like learning a language and being able to like authentically have that experience of like connecting with this author from however long ago I think is really cool and I don't know it's really cool yeah it's awesome okay um and then my next one is as you begin to realize that every different type of music, everybody's individual music has its own rhythm, life, language, and heritage, you realize how life changes and you learn how to be more open and adaptive to what is around us. And that's by Yo-Yo Ma. Um, and I know it's more about music than it is about language, but I thought it was just interesting to just quickly mention how um, it's, a, I think we've kind of talked about it, but just a really good way of connecting to people on an individual basis, an individual level. Um, and through language, you get to experience authentic culture, authentic human connection and authentic history. And, uh, you get to see everyone's individual type of music. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a good quote too. That's really nice. Also, Yo-Yo Ma is a pretty cool person. He's great. Yeah. I I remember being so inspired by him when I was doing cello and then... (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> didn't don't do chill anymore. But he, I would like watch YouTube videos of him and be like, oh my god, I want to do that. It's He's like very very inspiring. We listened to it in camp the other day. Yo Yo Ma is a Chinese American cellist, born in Paris. He spent his schooling years in New York City and was a child prodigy, performing from the age of four and a half. 
He graduated from Juilliard School and Harvard University and has performed as a soloist with orchestras around the world. Wow. And cello is just really cool. I do love cello. What's your last quote? Um, my last quote is something that is basically just encapsulating everything we just talked about, which is language is the roadmap of a culture. It tells where people come from and where they are going. And as I think both of us were saying, like language is so connected to culture and it's really interesting to see like how the culture has affected a language and vice versa, how the language has affected a culture, especially with these ancient languages where we don't have access to that culture anymore. I, I think I feel like it's so much more impactful to be able to read a script in that language and yeah. really see how like the these societies were built and how they were affected. So I just thought it was awesome. But oh jeez. <laughs> I just I just jumped. <laughs> um but yeah. That was said by Rita Mae Brown, who is an American writer, activist, and feminist. She is best known for her first novel, Ruby Fruit Jungle. Um, and she is also a mystery writer and screenwriter. Very interesting. Yeah, I liked that quote. Yeah, me too. Here ends the quote portion of this podcast. <laughs> so, um, would you like to start off with your anecdotes? Yeah. Okay, so the first one that I want to talk about is French, because that's the language that I have learned since grade four. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. So... As many of you may know, I am Canadian, um, and for those of you who are not Canadian, um, in Canada, honestly, most of Canada is English-speaking, unless you go to one province, which is fairly large part, part of the population, but that's Quebec, with, like, Montreal and, you know, all, the, all those fun places, and that's, like, majority by far is French. It's a really, it's French, French, French. And if you go to the capital, which is not too far from Quebec, but it is actually in a mostly English-speaking province, um, Ottawa, and they're really quite bilingual there. Um, it's like every signs, both languages, and in government, it's fully bilingual. Wow. Um, but I think that in Canada, not only like relatively useful just to speak French, but also I just love... It sounds really cool. I know... It's a beautiful language. I have a few friends whose first language is French or who are fluent in French from Canada. Um, and it's just like, hearing them talk, I always get so excited. But um, it's it's fun. I honestly, I find it really interesting. And it's um, I've, the past few years, like, really seen myself improving a lot, which is really exciting. Like, I visited um, Paris with my dad. And I was, uh, I went off around the city and I was speaking, like, when I spoke to people, I only spoke in French. And I was really proud of myself because I was able to communicate exactly what I needed and no one, like, was like, oh, a tourist and switched to English. And, like, I was very proud of myself for doing that, even if it was just simple sentences like ordering food. But, like, I remember I had to ask someone for directions and I was stressed out. So I asked in English, but they were confused, didn't speak English. So I had to ask in French. And I don't know. I was proud of myself because I was like, oh, wait, I can do this. I don't need to. That's really cool. I was able to do what I needed to do. It's good. Um, But I, yeah, I really do like that language. Um, I someday maybe want to do an immersion program because I think that's really, really good if you want to 
become fluent in a language. I think it's very important. Uh, my mom did one when she was a kid, or around my age, she did an immersion immersion program in Quebec, and it can be really useful. Um, and yeah, and it's actually funny because at the summer camp where I was um, a CAT this summer, they uh the youngest section in the first two weeks for some reason all of them were like six-year-olds who only spoke french (laughs) wow but it's in an english part of canada and so like none of the staff spoke french and also you really when parents send their kids to an english camp and they speak french usually part of the goal is so that they can learn english so it's like really you don't even if you do know French, you really do try to speak in English so that they can learn. And some of them really did try their hardest and got pretty pretty decent. But um, it was really funny because I think it was quite different from here, where even though people might not necessarily be fluent, everyone had just enough knowledge of French to be able to understand what the kids were asking for fine and communicate fine. And it was like, it wasn't like a big deal. Like, it was just like, okay, cool. Like, slight communication barrier, but honestly not too bad, and we can communicate just fine. Uh, Whereas I think here, if there were a group of kids who didn't speak English, it would be like, ah, what do we do? How do we communicate with them? We're not going to be able to, like, do anything. Like, even if it was something like Spanish, which is, like, you would think that people should learn, right? And people should know if they live here. Like, that communication barrier would be a lot bigger, but it's pretty cool. And then my last French anecdote was when I traveled with my mom and we went to, we went on a camping trip and while we were there, we met up with another group and there were two people who Where? were in Argentina. Okay. I did, you kept, <laughs> I forgot you, she was talking about camping I'm and I was like, talk. yeah, no, we, my mom and I a few years ago visited Argentina, which was really, really cool. Um, and we went camping and we met up with another group and the two people on that trip were French and it's funny because I remember they were talking to us and they were like oh are you learning language and I was like yeah I'm learning French and I was shy and didn't really want to practice it and they're like listen you're never gonna see us again this is a really good opportunity for you to practice your French and I was still this like was I wish I had like taken advantage of it but I was still kind of nervous but they're like just like try just talking to us in French and we're not going to judge you but, like, it'll be really good practice. So they'd ask me, like, qu'est-ce que tu as mangé pour le petit déjeuner? What did you have for breakfast? And I would have to be like, oh, uh, j'ai mangé. Like, like, I was so scared of making a mistake and stuff. But it was very sweet and good advice. So just, like, just go for it. Like, don't stress yourself out. It's good practice. You have the opportunity. Speak some That's French. That's really nice. It's very sweet of them. What's your first anecdote? Um, My first anecdote is... I don't know. I mean, I have already sort of mentioned this, but I do want to study languages as a career, sort of. Yeah, I know. You're far away, I'm saying. Oh, oh, I was leaning, but I thought you were saying, like, time. No, um, you're good. Uh, yeah, so I, languages is something I want to study in college. Um, I'm currently learning four, as I've mentioned, um, Latin, Spanish, Chinese, and Greek, ancient Greek. Next on the list, hopefully French, then Hindi, and eventually um, Arabic, maybe ASL, German, Russian, Swahili, Ooh. everything. I want to, well, not, I think everything is 
Everything. Don't I, I try mean, everything. I'd I'd love to learn. I'm just gonna don't keep, limit yourself. I'm just gonna keep adding until I my brain explodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely love learning languages. It's what I'm most passionate about, and that's why I'm taking four. But this kind of stemmed from one specific teacher in eighth grade, who I've talked about before, um, and she we called her Senorita. She was Senorita. Uh, to all of us, and she when she called me Bayena, which I think I've also talked about, um, because we went to Antarctica, and I sent her lots of pictures of whales because she really loved wh- loves whales, um, and when I came back, she was like, "I'm just gonna call you Bayena now," <laughs> um, but yeah, so she she was so enthusiastic. She would like bounce around the classroom and be like, so she would sometimes get so excited that she would hit the smart board so hard that it would like stop working and then she'd be like, "Ah, darn. I broke the smart board again because I was too excited about learning Spanish." Aww. That's oh well. Guess we'll have to work right on the whiteboard today. <laughs> but it was so sweet. She made she was really hard. Like she was a really difficult teacher and her tests were were hard. But I loved her class. It was my favorite class because she would come in every day so excited to teach Spanish. And it was it was so inspiring and it made me like, all right, I'm going to become better in Spanish now. This is like, this is what I want to do. And then like I, now, then I can come back and just have full on conversations with her in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think she was probably the person who kicked off my um, inspiration for languages. And I've always like, been oh not I don't want to brag but like I've been good at acquiring languages very good at languages I just like for me it's it's easy like you know how some people are naturally good at math I feel like that's kind of what it is for yeah language like some people I mean it's just just, it's one of my strengths and like yeah yeah but I I I enjoy I enjoy it so I think that's definitely a huge part of Mm -hmm. of why I love it um do you want to go on to your next one? Okay. <laughs> so high-pitched. My next anecdote is going to be about ancient Greek, which I am currently taking. It's actually my second year taking it. So I don't know. We've probably explained it before, but basically there is an option at our school to take ancient Greek, um, but it's not a class during the day. It's actually, you technically it's an independent study, but the classes are usually like five to ten people, and or like three to eight people um it's taught by the latin teacher who's just like such a great guy like he just he's so passionate about i was gonna talk about these these languages and reading and books and literature and history and especially everything of that that relates to latin and greek and just like just the sweetest guy and like one of my favorite teachers and also my advisor which is really that's how i heard about greek um but he yeah, we it's a really fun time. Um, it's funny because last year it was an interesting mix of like, whoa, this is all so new, so I am learning a lot of stuff, but also towards the end of the year I felt like I didn't have time to put a lot of effort in, and so I was not learning as much as I could have. But like the past few weeks, once as soon as I remembered everything from last year, I started to get it a lot more. So, like, really? instead of my translations, like, saying something and him kind of being like, oh, actually, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, every now and then I'm like, oh, my goodness, yeah. Because we'll, our homework will be a translation. And, and it's actually quite difficult to translate Greek. Because even though we have, like, a full 
Greek to English dictionary in the back of our book, it's the words, the word order, there's no word order, like, it's just the based on the form of the nouns and the verbs. You have to figure out what is the subject, what is the object, and put it into the correct order. Based um, on, like, the the subtle different like one letter can be different and it can change the meaning of the entire yeah. sentence one so letter and one it's word. like it's very confusing it's there are a lot of subtleties so it really takes like it's he always tells us like if you're doing it and it doesn't make sense keep on doing it until it makes sense like it's literally that's what it is like it's just it's hard to have that little like there's not really a trick you just have to get used to like spending a lot of time and going sentence by sentence and word by word um but it's a really interesting language and Part of the reason I wanted to learn ancient Greek is to be able to have a connection with history. Mm-hmm. Um, because whether it's things like um, Socrates or Sophocles and reading their work, or reading something like if I decided I wanted to read the Bible, not having a translation or someone's interpretation of it, but actually being able to make my own interpretation based off of the forms of the words and what maybe the author was really trying to say, like that kind of. Th- that kind of um I find that really interesting and so yeah. I really want to I want to continue to study it but yeah it's just a really interesting class it's also so fun like we just have a thing in our class of there's just this one word form that no one can get especially me like I mess it up every single time to the point where he started calling it the Bronwyn like word form or something. Oh, really? but it's and I've heard this sentence so many times like I'll hear it in my sleep neuter plural accusative being used as a substantive pronoun so basically, instead of, like, if there's something that's, like, a word that means much or many, in a certain form, it would be, like, many things. But if you don't translate it many things, it doesn't make sense. Oh, boy. It's confusing. But yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. I love Greek. Yeah. You and can that, talk about it, too. Yeah, well, Greek. that leads into what was going to be my next anecdote, which is Latin and Greek. And um, I have been taking Latin all three years, but my Latin education has been really weird. I had in... In freshman year, for me, there were too many people who wanted to take Latin, so they had to bring in someone who was um, sort of like a sub, but who knew Latin. And so he, he, was, he was very sweet, but he went very slowly, so he didn't learn a ton of Latin in his class. And then uh, the second, my sophomore year, I still wanted to continue with Latin, but they wouldn't let me take two languages my sophomore year because I still had to do electives and fulfill, fulfill that requirement. So I took it online, which was really difficult because there were certain concepts that I was expected to know from Latin 1 that I hadn't learned oh. because we had gone so slowly. But it was, it was definitely a good challenge. I didn't enjoy taking it online very much because it's just, you don't, I feel like, I mean, ironically, I'm, I'm taking Chinese online now and you would think that'd be a lot harder, but it's, it's better than than latin Mm. for me um i think latin is just such a hard language yeah like it's so difficult um but it it was still really interesting and then now finally i'm taking the normal latin class with the normal latin teacher and i love it he is so enthusiastic the other day he came in like bouncing off the walls like guys i'm so excited today is my favorite lesson ever we're learning scansion we're learning how to scan latin poems this is amazing and i promise i promise you do teachers make promises no they don't because they're that's because they're afraid but i <laughs> promise you that i you by the end of this class you will all be scansion masters he was so excited he's, so funny. he's like this like 60 year old man with too many books <laughs> and you can't have too many books a lot of books and just such a sweet guy. He's really, really, really sweet. And, and I, lo- I like him a lot. Teaching. And I love his class. 
Um, and Ramun <laughs> was the one who inspired me to take ancient Greek because you love it so much and it makes so much sense with my love of languages. Like, why haven't I taken Greek up until now? What am I doing? Um, but I started taking Greek this year. I also absolutely love it. Some of the, like, some of my favorite, not favorite, this is bad. I'm only learning like five, but <laughs> one of my favorite languages to learn are ones that look like complete gibberish to yeah. other people. Like French, no, French is harder because the vowels don't sound like what you would think they sound like. But like, and but Spanish, you can kind of like sound out like, okay, I, I guess I know what that sounds. But Greek, if you gave Greek to someone, they'd have no idea how to make sense of all yeah. the letters because it's a different alphabet. Same with Chinese, it's just characters. To me, even being able to it's understand like code. a few words of those, you know like, well, that looks like gibberish to people who don't speak that yes. language and you feel so special. And um, so good. that's one of the things I love about Greek, but also, like, it's so cool, it's such an interesting language, it's probably going to be helpful with Latin, because we have, we have to, like, learn what declensions are again, so it's probably helpful to review that as well, um, but yeah, I love it, I love Latin and Greek, and I didn't think, like, that I would particularly love those two languages, as they're not spoken anymore, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I, it's, they're amazing, I love them. So my last anecdote is about choir, actually, which I know it's not a language, but (laughs) we do talk a lot about words. Um, And it's quite interesting because part of singing in the way you do in a choir is, and making sure all your voices blend together, is making sure words and especially vowels sound a particular way. And it's like the amount of energy we put into like making the correct ah sound, like ah versus ah, like makes a huge difference. And it at first was frustrating, but now I can hear the difference and I know all about diphthongs and all about different like vowel combinations. And it's really cool, but like um, we talk a lot about accents, regional dialects and pronunciation. And like, for example, like we live in Connecticut and usually in the Northeast, you, like that accent is considered pretty neutral neutral like there aren't there's no like southern twang or like something mm-hmm. like that it's a, generally considered a pretty neutral um accent the way we talk but there are certain certain things like saying um like if you're gonna say anchored a lot of the time people will say anchored like eh like the a sound is like eh it's like through your nose but like when you sing you don't say anchored you'd mm-hmm. say I can't do it. It's really weird to say when you're, like, talking, but, like, anchored or, like, something like that. I did that really badly, but, like, you really have to focus and change how you're talking. Um, And it makes you a lot more sensitive to how things sound. But, um, like, for example, classical music, um, which we do a lot of, like, from, like, choir songs from, like, churches and, like, a long time ago. Like, you know, Mozart pieces and all that stuff you have to have a very deep resonating sound and so the vowel color which is what you call it is much darker and so much like ah oh and like that kind of thing but we're also doing a spiritual song right now and there are certain things like instead of saying the we say da or like duh like that's how they the composer wanted it to sound so you really get to that's very you think a lot about how you're talking and how you're pronouncing words which is fun that's amazing yeah it's a good time and what's your last anecdote so my last anecdote is just um, a couple of little uh, things that I've noticed about languages. And one is I love finding connections between the four languages that I'm taking. Um, most especially prominent 
between like Latin and Spanish because mm-hmm. um, Spanish is a Romance language, so it stemmed from Latin. But things like you don't need to have um, pronouns before verbs, and I think that's in in Greek as well. Um, and that carried over into Spanish and even Chinese, like Greek. There are there are accent marks and tone marks that tell you or supposedly tell you how the word is supposed to be pronounced. And in Chinese, there's something called pinyin, which was created in order to help English speakers learn Chinese and learn how it is supposed to be pronounced, which is very cool. And then I also just have a couple of like random cool language facts. Um, one of them is there are funny sayings, and there are all these weird sayings in Chinese. And one of them is Bukwan Sanchi Arshri, which is I don't care if three times seven is twenty one. It's basically like, well, I don't care. I don't. I don't give a heck. Say it again. I want to hear if I can. Bukwan Sanchi Arshri. That's so cool. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm. I'm doing the tone marks right, but I don't have it up so I can't um, uh, reference that. Diphthongs you talked a little bit about, those are like two different vowels and they combine to make one sound, so like A-E is I and things like that. Accent marks, I already talked about that a little bit, those are present in, um, present, those are like, those exist in Spanish, Greek, and Chinese, but they're not anywhere, and even Latin, you can have long marks over vowels to show that they're supposed French to be French has it as well, but yeah. it's slightly different. It's not like your tone, it's like pronunciation of the vowel. Yeah, well, um, Greek and, and Chinese is tone, and then Spanish yeah. is more like pronunciation French is pronunciation as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really, they're just very cool. And then the last thing <laughs> that I wanted to talk about just super quickly is something that I got so excited about while I was reading my textbook for U.S. History, and I talked to my teacher about this as well, but going, I got like all this U.S. history, it can be a lot and it can be a little dry, but then every once in a while they'll throw in like one sentence and so like, this is why this place was named this. And I get so excited because that's so cool. So like Pennsylvania, that was a word lit last week. It's Penn's Woods, Sylvania's Woods in Latin. Delaware was named after someone called Lord de la War. D-E space L-A space oh. W-A-R-R. And they just combined it to make it Hello. Delaware. Um, and then Wall Street w- in Manhattan was named because they the people who originally were colonized there built up a wall to defend themselves against the Native Americans. So, like, things like that, it's just the names of places, it fascinates me. And I can't wait to keep, like, finding out all these cool... Like, and even, like, I there was a passage in my textbook about how... Um, African, when slaves came over to the U.S., African language mixed with English, and now we still have some of those words in our vocabulary, like voodoo oh. is apparently an African word that really migrated cool. over here. But yeah, just, I love linguistic history things. It's very cool. Yeah. But yeah. Guys, we hope you enjoyed languages. This is something we're both passionate about, so it was really fun to discuss. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised we haven't done this one yet because we both had a lot to say about it, so I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I hope you had a good time. You can, you know, if you're looking for some more fun things to do, you can listen to our intro music, which is... <laughs> Inspirational Life. Our outro music. Blossoming Inspiration. And, you know, maybe throughout this whole episode you've been browsing Instagram. Well, why, before you leave, <laughs> why don't you uh, go check out the person who did our cover artist. Uh, wow. That's Dinobite on Instagram. D-I-N-O dot B-Y-T-E. We have an Instagram as well, quotes and anecdotes. Um, quotes and dot and quotes dot, dot anecdotes. Sorry. Um, and we we always post on our story when yeah. there's a new episode out, so always look 
look at that. Um, what else? Email us, quotesandanecdotes at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday and have a good rest of your week. Yeah. Good. Bye, my friend Sophia. Bye, my friend Bronwyn. And cut. Do 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 do. Thank you.